Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Um, welcome to another episode of Inspiring Futures. Uh, we did one last week and uh, we men- I mentioned that uh, the situation had changed. We're another week further along um, and yeah, but situation has changed again. So um, I'm excited that I have on the line from Bangkok, Dave McCorgan, um, who I have known. Dave, is it 30 years or something ridiculous? It like, must be close to 30, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you must have been about 12 when I met you, I think. That yeah, so. that was true. I was, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. very young. Um, was, I, was I some sort of child molester? Or, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I think you were, you, you, were just, you were just running the show. Um, yeah. So um, we're using this opportunity to, to connect. Uh, we met while I was at McCann. Dave, you were at McCann as well in Australia. Um, Australia, Asia, all over the place. Yeah. All over the place. And now you're uh, running a consultancy in Bangkok, but also we talked about doing something in uh, Bangladesh too. Yeah. 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 Do you want to? Do you want to tell everyone a little bit of your? Take everyone through like a quick, uh, accelerated view of your of your background, where how you got to where you got to. Sure. Uh, Sydney boy. Got into advertising by accident when I was about 30 after a career as a children's librarian. Um, and worked at McCann in Sydney for a long time. Fortunately, got asked to move to Asia to help set up planning in a number of markets across the Asia region. Uh, spent uh, 25 years with McCann Hotel and um, working on across every Asian market, every big brand you can imagine. Um, and then about five years ago, decided to just uh, do my own thing and plop myself back here in Bangkok, where I've lived previously, but moved back here. And I basically travel around Asia doing projects for all sorts of clients, sometimes freelancing for agencies. But I also run, uh, well, I, I work with a loose collective of guys that work on using some AI applications for market research and stuff. Is, as well as doing freelance strategy and things and brand storytelling and a bunch of other things. And then as I was just mentioning before we got online, I fell into um, a little partnership with a couple of uh, guys in Bangladesh who were setting up a little uh, brand consultancy there a few years ago. And so I call myself the, uh, the minor partner, um, but I, it means I, I do spend uh, more time in Bangladesh than than probably most people have ever spent, but also more time than I do in other places because uh, we're trying to help some different brands figure out how to uh, make things happen and work in Asia's fastest growing economy, which is most people in the West don't realize this, but over the last 10 years, on average, every year, the fastest growing economy in Asia has been Bangladesh. Um, uh, It's a booming place. It's very interesting. It's a, Dhaka is a huge 14 million people city that is a constant construction site. Um, and that's pretty much 
been my life the last 20 years, 25 years in Asia is working to help brands and companies figure out what to do in these fast growing marketplaces. So, so, so flipping, flipping from the past to the very present, um, we got to, we got to talk a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. Pandemic, yeah. the pandemic that orig originated in, in, um, in China, um, Trump yesterday, I think was I think he was told he was put in a room and told, "Be nice to Asians," and there was yeah. there was a piece in his speech yesterday about, um, and, and it was clearly written by someone else. Um, but what's what's happening? What are you what are you what are you hearing? What do you know that is, is happening? First of all, in Thailand right now, where you are. Yeah, yeah. Look. You know, obviously, anybody, um, doesn't matter what nationality you are, anybody that lives in this side of the world is very sensitive about that whole issue of where it comes from. Who, you know, there is nobody to, you know, I'm sure history will find people to blame for all this, but the reality is it's something, you know, Bill, the famous video that's been going around the last couple of weeks, Bill Gates predicted this five years ago. Yeah, um, you know, lots of people have known this sort of coming. I guess um, I had the unfortunate uh, thing of living in Hong Kong when SARS happened, um, mm -hmm. uh, running, you know, helping run uh, the McCann agency and taking care of Asia planning then, and you know, we that was a sort of precursor, if you like. I guess we didn't learn as much as we thought we'd learned from that, if we'd learned anything. Um, and, and all these things are coming back to, to bite us here, but bite, bite us, bite everybody. But, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, we talked about this, whether through watching science fiction movies or, you know, those sort of precursor things. And think about how scared we were at, at, at not that long ago about if Ebola had got out of West Africa, you know, yep. um, et cetera. And so, Eventually, one of these things was going to break out. We always knew that the the modern transport system, uh, airlines, a bit of shipping and stuff, were going to were, were just a network of mm -hmm. just waiting it. to happen to yeah. spread it. Um, infrastructure and, and and how we all react now, you know, in Asia because we have such a diverse. When you talk about Asia, of course, it's the, the usual problem of Asia. But what do you mean by that? But you know, obviously, China. Um, terribly un unfortunate to, to suffer from this thing first, seems to have responded dramatically as maybe only China and the Chinese government and Chinese society can do for good or bad. We, um, it's a very interesting how all the debates we might have been having if we had this same conversation 12 months ago about, you know, the role of privacy or the role of, uh, you know, uh, public surveillance or uh, face recognition or all those sorts of things. And we'd all, we're all aghast, especially in the West, but even people in Asia are sort of like, oh, no, come on that, come on that. Whereas, you know, for good or bad, um, you could argue that that's, that's made a big difference in China. Being able to put a, a, some sort of lid on it there locally. And of course then, I know maybe you've seen, there was a great video uh, uh, a couple of days ago about one of the Chinese doctors that had gone to Italy big group of Chinese doctors and nurses being sent over there to help. Uh, and one of the Chinese doctors being interviewed by the press and basically saying he could, couldn't understand how appallingly the rest of the world was reacting 
to, to this? You know, what, mm. why didn't we all get our act together and just do what China had done? Um, so you, you have that. You have Japan where, you know, obviously it's been hit in Japan, but, you know, there's a, it, it seems to, you know, lots of people, I know lots of people, I lived in Japan for 10 years, a lot of friends who are, People work, a lot of people are still working from home, etc., and all that sort of stuff, but there's people out in the streets, and, you know, and it, it doesn't seem to be growing. But at the same time, there's this massive scare about the Olympics and, of course, the big debate, which by the time you release this video, this recording, I'm, you know, maybe it's been delayed, maybe it's been cancelled, whatever. Yeah, because the answer. Yeah, I, I, you know... I think common sense is the the world is the way. Well, in fact, in fact, what's so interesting about that is, from a just from a trends perspective, is is seeing the athletes raising their hands and saying, "I see you need to cancel it." Yeah, people. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, qualified. I mean, that that is just you know that's pretty amazing for these people who are like. Well, you know, it's been it's been pretty interesting. You know, go back a week or so ago when when Wayne Rooney in you know in England was the first of the first famous English football star to basically come out and basically say, well, basically, fuck this. You know, what, what, why, why should we be still playing? Why should, you know, yeah. don't, don't even imagine we're going to be playing for months, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then gradually over the last week we've seen this. As more and more, obviously, more and more big sports being cancelled, but more and more big players getting into it, like, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's like, uh, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, inter it's interesting what, what we're sort of talking about here is this sort of these different levels of response. So you've got lockdown China. Yeah. You've got lockdown Italy, France and Spain, and, and then the, the sort of then the domino UK US. Japan yeah. still had thousands out in the streets to see the Olympic flame. Yeah. So, you know, there's kind of like Eventually, yeah, no, they, eventually yeah, everyone look, will get it, and, and then well, you, you know, know, who, who can who can do lockdowns and who can't? Well, that's the thing. You know, I mean, I think if you think about different countries, um, you have your political cultures, you have your technological cultures, you have your economic, socio-economic cultures. Um, you know, my hometown, Sydney, is basically locking down pretty much as we speak. A bit slow. Um, Discord, probably like the US, because each state is making different decisions, etc. Mm -hmm. um, and the federal government has been a little bit vague about the whole thing. Um, you have different marketplaces, like here in Thailand, where I live, where we don't have lockdown now, but you know, a couple of days ago, all the shopping malls got stopped, all the uh, you know, the famous nightlife. Of Just lost you. back uh yeah we just you're just talking about uh nightlife yeah so the nightlife of bangkok all gone you know all bars closed all that sort of stuff uh you know the next day was sort of like restaurants closed uh only take away food da, da, da. but you know we, we're gradually moving it my wife and i haven't been outside the apartment for three days and you know at the moment a lot of people if they can you know voluntarily doing it whereas you know we know that it's going to come yeah but that leads to the bigger issue which is you know if you're sitting in a in a big western city in europe north america australia um 
in theory, in theory, it can work. You know, in theory, we've seen that, yes, we may not be as organized as the Chinese, but we know that in theory, you can live in New York, San Francisco, Sydney, whatever, and, and, and it, it can happen and we can somehow get by um, for weeks doing it. Um, but think about, you know, the big developing world, um, you know, Bangladesh, as I said, with Dhaka, uh, any of the big mm -hmm. cities in India, even a place like Bangkok, right, which is, you know, sort of. What's the population of Bangkok? Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it over? It's well over. It's over fifteen million, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big city, fifteen million of people in Greater Bangkok. Um, it is literally the mid, the centre of Asia in terms of if you think about from Pakistan yeah. to Japan, etc. Mm -hmm. It's right in the middle, but it's also so socioeconomically. You know, it's it's a pretty developed city. It's got a lot of a lot of wealth, a lot of very high-end loss, a lot of high-end loss, uh, but it's also got a lot of really poor people as well. Um, you know, it's not as bad as some other big cities in Asia. But, you know, the, the commentary I've seen a lot in the last few days is, well, it's okay for the middle class to, to shut themselves in. It's okay for the people I deal with, you know, the working offices to now work from home and they all have... Everybody in Asia has a you know a smartphone. Yeah. Everybody can do all that. Mm. But, but the truth is, the bulk of the population don't make their living that way. They make their living from actually being on the street or working physically or being in serving. close proximity to others. Yeah, street markets. Yeah, very close proximity. Oh, street markets. You know, Thomas, but, yeah. but 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 yeah, street markets. But even factories, etc. Right. So you know, we're not talking about. You know, the Japanese styles robot factories, but they're talking about real factories, you know, where you have hundreds and thousands of people go every day to work. Especially in right? Yeah, well, a place like Bangladesh, think about the garment industry, you know. Now, let me just say that, of course, you know, everyone, when think, people think about Bangladesh and the garment industry, they think about those terrible, terrible disasters a few years ago where some of the workplaces burnt down and unfortunately mm -hmm. hundreds of people were actually killed. Yep. But, the, but the garment industry there, the garment industry board has been done a fantastic job the last few years of enforcing change, of rebuilding factories, etc. But they still are factories that involve literally hundreds and thousands of people standing in close quarters, you know, on machines, right? Um, if they don't go to work, they don't get paid. Um, and, you know, while I understand and I hear a lot about People I know in Australia, etc. People I know in America and England, you know, some companies are putting people on half time or three quarter time, etc. While they work at home, and that's understandable. But there are billion, you know, a couple of billion people working in Asia who there will be no half time work or pay or quarter time work or pay. That's you don't come to work, you don't get paid. So maybe, maybe the one, maybe the one, um, you could call it an advantage. I, I don't think that's the right word, but um, is that it tends to this tends to be more aggressive against the older older demographic and uh, less true. younger. Yeah, that, uh, that's certainly true. Well, it's 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 more aggressive against the the aged and those that have physical uh, yeah issues, right? Now, I will point out, let's not forget that if you look at the top 10 most aged countries in the world, most of them are here in Asia. Which Japan's a lot of people don't, don't know that. So, oh, you got Japan, 
obviously. Japan, South, J- Japan, Taiwan, yeah. Hong Kong, South Korea. They're mm-hmm. four of the five oldest countries in the world that are rapid. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you also have China, which is the fastest aging population in the world. Mm. Has over 100, has over 150 million people, over 60. You've got yeah. India. People always think of India as a very young place. Yep. But let's not forget that 9% of the population is over 64. Or nine percent of the Indian population is about one hundred and twenty million people. Wow, just so, um, staggering numbers, aren't they? Yeah, they're stag- same in Vietnam, same in, uh, in Indonesia. We always forget that these very young, as a general rule, the population is very young, but they have very large population. The numbers, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that this those same countries uh, have very large numbers of people that you know again. You know, everybody sort of says it's okay um, to talk about resistance and about the fact that, you know, well, you know, if you're under sort of 60 and you've got a health, you know, you're fairly healthy, you've got a healthy diet and, you know, take some extra vitamins and try to run laps. If you, you know, the famous guy in Italy, uh, in France now, that ran a marathon on his, grand, on his balcony the other day, right? Yeah. You know, keep fit, do your exercises, take extra vitamins and just close yourself in. But there are literally billions of people in... Asia, Africa, etc., who A, don't have access to vitamins, but B, you know, aren't necessarily um, as healthy, uh, you know, as, as they should be because of dietary tradition, you know, whatever. So as it so gets, what, uh, as a ramps up. What's the scenario, do you think, you're certainly in, uh, you're the regional director of Unilever, marketing director of Unilever right now. What's going, what's going through there? Heads, <laughs> uh, you'd be going nuts, wouldn't you? Um, look, you know, I think if you're the if you're a, a marketer in any anything here, the first thing you have got to be thinking about is uh, what are you doing? What are you going to do about your own people? Um, yep. And of course, there's a part of you that's got to be thinking ahead about well, what happened. You know, what are we going to do? When this eventually passes, right? Of course, you can't help but do that. Um, but you've got to be thinking about now about your own people. That's your own staff, but also your, your suppliers, your clients, customers, whatever. You know, what are you doing to help them? Uh, of course, you've got to be living up to. Yeah, you know, I find it really interesting. You know, for the last on, on, on your on, on these sessions that you do, and everybody else that does planning or market research or brand consultancy type podcasts or commentaries or columns mm-hmm. has been talking about brand values or brand worth or whatever it is, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the last five years, which I always find silly because, I, you know, when I first knew you when you were 12 years of age, we talked about brand values, etc. You know, this is as mm-hmm. old as time. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it's become very faddish to talk about this, but this is the real test case. And, and I'll give you a simple example of why it's a real test case. Every year, about this time of year, you know, um, I get involved in, in um, uh, marking uh, effectiveness awards, right? And, oh, yeah. and I'm sure you do. And but, but planners all over the world this time of year, you, you, you know, you're, you're helping to judge effectiveness awards. Mm-hmm. And in Asia, you know, every year for a number of years now, if, you, if you're looking at effectiveness awards, you will see many entries coming from different Asian countries, mostly West Asia that are from different companies that have done a great job in basically figuring out a way to sell soda. 
of some form. Yep. Now, a lot of it's got to do with hand-washing campaigns. Yep. So, we, of course, the last month or so, the world has been focused on hand-washing, hand-washing, hand-washing. But if you go and look at, you know, most of the major uh, FMCG companies that make soap-type uh, products have been doing major campaigns in the developing world about washing their hands for years. And yep. a lot of these have won some very big effectiveness awards. And, and, of course, they've been talked up the last few years about, well, that's because, you know, we're corporate good guys. No, it's because if, if you get people to wash their hands, it's self-soap. You know, um, let's, let's be realistic. But they've always been about getting clean is a good thing. Getting clean is a good thing. If you get mm -hmm. clean, you need our soap to get clean. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. The big test now is what do you do? So it's been great to see some brands moving forward and saying, look, you know, hey, we're going to give away product or we're going to uh, turn the factories around to make the things that people immediately need that maybe... The sanitizers, the masks, yeah. Sanitizers, masks, yeah. just basic soap products, um, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things. Um, that's, that's something that I think any big marketer has to be doing as a, as, as a duty, uh, but also because it's going to come... You know, if you're not really conscious of the fact that you should be just giving at the moment and just giving at the moment, it's going to come back to bite you eventually, isn't it? Um, there is going to be a world after this, no matter how it turns out. And when that world comes about, whether it's in three months, six months or 12 months' time, um, people are going to sit back and go, yeah, well, what, what did you really do? Right? Just like, um, what did you, Dad, what did you do in the war? Yeah, what did you do in the war? And, I, and I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, um, uh, we've seen uh, in the last week or so, um, you know, a lot of brands, uh, I guess I better not say once, you know, a lot of brands where they're doing this this thing about playing off the social distancing and so elements of their brand are pulled apart, right? Separating so, their logos, the, the McDonald's arches. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, the Golden Arches and other, a lot of other very famous brands. Yeah. Okay, so I've heard two, of course I've heard people say, oh, that's pretty cute, that's pretty cute. I've also heard the argument we have that no one's going to really but it doesn't really change. I mean, you're not going to buy more, you know, burgers or drinks or whatever it is because of that, right? No, no, but you're doing it. Oh, but no, no, but they're doing it to show, you know, they're really socially conscious and stuff like that. But I've also heard a lot of criticism, a lot of criticism. But, yeah, well, who cares? Who cares that they're doing this? The, right the time and effort, the time and why don't they give their ad agency, instead of telling them to create some new fancy thing or logo, or if the agency comes with an idea about, hey, we're going to, do this with a logo, tell them to just piss off and go and do come up with something that's really going to make a difference. I think um, this, I think this is a real test. And right now, what I, I was I've been talking to so many people in the last few days. Um, what I really believe is that ad agencies are scrambling because they don't really know how to deal with this. And they're working out they're in a triage mode because they're trying to work out uh, what clients are staying with them. Uh, how many months, I mean, not talking about giant holding companies like Interpublic, but smaller entities, uh, how many months of payroll they can afford, blah, blah, sure. blah. But sure. you talk to any anyone at a PR agency and they've never been busier. Their phone's off the hook. They're working 17 hours a day and it's all going to PR. The, the clients aren't going to agencies. They're going to PR, they're going to PR shops. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, well, I personal interest through family connection in the PR world, but that's not always true everywhere, I can tell you. Uh, but 
Um, but it is true that, you know, ad agencies, th this is a great time. Look, you know, with your background, the, pe the people that I've heard, you know, you interviewing on these sessions and stuff, you know, you talk to a lot of planners and you know a lot of really smart planners around the place. And it just seems to me like, well, this is, this is one of those great times, you know, um, not, it's, it's, it's terrible, sad, I, I, it's I don't mean to say great, you know, in a loose manner, but it's one of those times where people with a certain skill, which is to think about uh, what it is that people, what matters to people. And ultimately, as I at least have been saying for like 30 years, the, the definition of a planner is understanding what matters to people. Yeah. That's all it is, right? Yeah, very simple, um, very clear. Yep. And and this is the perfect time if 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 we're trained to do that and if we uh, have a skill base that allows us to take that knowledge and, and come up with ideas or work with other people come ideas from it, this is the time to use that right? and, and try to um, think through what, what could we be doing, uh, what, what could brands be doing that can make a real difference. I think, I think what's really, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, the, what's so interesting is there's such a block, sometimes in planning um, and consumer insight and all that other, whatever you want to call it, is there's a sort of blase attitude, which is, oh, we know what these people do. Oh, don't tell, you know, we know, we've been talking, you know, it's like, you, if you've repeated, it's like rinse and repeat. If you've done enough focus groups on laundry detergent, you kind of tend to be able to predict what someone's going to be able to say. And people get cocky and cynical and skeptical if they've done, if they've sat through a hundred laundry. Yeah, but that's, that, unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, that's because, you know, and look, I'll give you an example. Uh, toothpaste. Oh, okay. Toothpaste, toothbrushes, right? So my whole career, um, I've worked on all okay brands. I probably sat through a thousand oral yeah. care focus groups. Yeah. But, but guess guess who wrote the, the brief or the questionnaire for most of those focus groups? So of course I knew what the answer was going to be because I was part of the problem, right? Um, and you're right. We we tend to do that. We tend to we tend to make the mistake of thinking that somehow people that work in advertising or people that are planners make the mistake of not remembering they are not normal people. By definition, if you're a planner, you cannot be a normal person because most normal people on the planet would pay not to do what we do. Right. You know, um, they, they think about it. So you have to go and listen to focus groups and listen to other people gather on about something. Oh, God, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather go down to the pub. Oh, isn't that what you do down the pub? Yeah, but that's more fun, right? Yeah. So, you know, of course, it's times like this. It's very easy when you're just trying to come up with a, a brief and, a, you know, a new, a new campaign for the launch of, you know, the next flavour of this toothpaste or, you know, we're going we're gonna to stick a, a funny logo on the back of a, a toothbrush or something. Fine, you know, but it's when you need to come up with big ideas is when you're in a big situation, right? Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's what, that was what I was trying to, what I was trying to, uh, it wasn't very clear in my, what I was trying to explain was life, life had become quite predictable 
And if you're an experienced marketeer, that predictability leads to a certain degree of skepticism and cynicism. And now yeah. that has changed. I was took, yesterday I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who lives upstate uh, and saying, we're all in this subway car together. So if you're a CEO or the junior brand manager, you're all going through this. And I think that actually has a massive implication for yeah. what's going to come next. Um, yeah. Because this is a shared experience. We also know it's massively different from anything we've experienced before. So the, the blase cynicism, skepticism doesn't apply here because you should want to know because um, this is new. This is different. This is what, what behaviors, uh, attitudes are we going to keep when we move away from this? What are right. we going to abandon? It's a really interesting questions uh, about uh, planning questions that planners can apply themselves to and try and find answers to. Um, and not, yeah. not to be stupid. Like, I mean, I saw some, I saw some quant studies of like the things people are, do the things people are doing outside and the things people are doing inside. It's like, guys, 30% of the world population is on lockdown. That data is irrelevant, you know? Yeah. So it really, you know, to really apply some really smart thinking. Um, do some great ethnography. Now people are on video, you know, yeah. there's so much we can be doing. Well, I think you're right. And I, I, obviously, uh, you know, in this part of the world, I'm pretty closely connected, maybe more than most planners are to the market research industry because yeah. I, well, I, I founded the Market Research Society of Thailand 25 years ago and helped found different market research societies around the region and stuff. And, you know, one of the big things is that this is bringing about is we, we've talked about as whether you're a planner or a researcher or whatever, we've talked to forever about, oh, you know, I'm mobile, you know, mobile's changing. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. We, the last few years we took that, well, you know, now it really is, right? Because literally the only way you can communicate with, with everybody is through your phone. Yep. You know, uh, remembering, and remember too, in, in many countries in Asia, most people oh, have a smartphone. Yeah. Well, they, they don't have a computer. They've they never, they've never owned they're one. They've, ne they've never used a computer, right? Yeah. Yeah. They've only, they've jumped from nothing, literally. I mean, if you take a place like Myanmar, mm. something like 80% of the people that now own a smartphone had never owned a phone or a computer before they got their first smartphone. Right. No, absolutely. Right. But yeah, they've jumped. They've, they've jumped a generation. Yeah, so the jump, yeah, we saw that massive jump in the last 10 years. Um, but now we're seeing the next massive jump, which is the whole idea of, you know, we, we've talked about the shift of the third place uh, going on, but now we are dramatically seeing it. And I, and I guess the, the most obvious, again, is you mentioned it, is, 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 is balcony culture or, you know, in my home country, it'd be veranda culture or, you know, or back patient culture, whatever it yeah. is. And I'll give you a simple example of that, right? So I'm a pretty old guy now, right? Um, you know, so I, I fall into that category that, you know, oh, well, the disease, you know, don't worry about him too much. But here's the thing. I'm old enough, all jokes aside, I'm old enough to remember my, literally the first thing I remember in life was when I was about three or four years of age, and my father and four of his friends trying to lift our first ever TV set up a 
five-part steps of the house because in yeah. those days the TV sets were huge, right? Mm. And we were one of the first families on our street. We lived way, way out in the distant suburbs of Sydney. Mm. We were one of the first families to have a have a TV. But I, I'm old enough to remember that, you know, at the end of the day, around sunset, you ride your bikes or, or run or skip as a kid up the street. And outside every house on the veranda would be the adults and the kids playing on the veranda, sitting around. They didn't have TVs. They would, might have been listening to radio, but they were sitting on the veranda watching the street go by. Right? Mm-hmm. And we had a thing called veranda culture, right? Now, what we're, and of course, in different countries, it's displayed in different ways. But, you know, all these funny things like the marathon runner and the Italians doing the singing yeah, off right. their balconies. Yeah. That itself is an amazing, you know, ethnographic shift. And, but, but more importantly, we've also got these mobile balconies that we carry around with us everywhere. So we're going to see dramatic shifts, I think, in the way in which we, the third place actually does move from that traditional third place that's been around as long as mankind has been around. You know, the place you go to, to relax and not be yourself. Literally the song from Cheers, the old TV show. Um, yeah, no, I, think that, old- I think that's really fascinating. I think what's, what's kind of, what, what could be a kind of interesting uh, development is the sort of, like, well, you could, you could sort of call them the older Luddite sort of technophobes, um, resistant, resistors um now have have to if they want to connect they have to play and so they have to learn and so that to me is quite interesting you know that, well that's true yeah yeah that, that is true i mean my wife and i got mcdonald's delivered for the first time ever yesterday yeah. Yeah. We, we downloaded an app to, to, to get McDonald's. So, so that's there's a, McDon- there's a mcdonald's 500 meters from my apartment I, no way in my life would I ever consider yeah. not walking 500 meters. Yeah. Right. So for the first time in my life, it was like, oh. and like, because my, my wife and I spent three days into mm-hmm. locking ourselves in. Right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, people are, you know, people of all types are learning to do different things. Yeah. Uh, you know, the explosion of um, not, not, just you know, guys like you and me having a chat, we record it and put it out there. Yeah. You know, live meetings, um, live webinars, live workshops. I mean, a friend of mine who lives half a kilometer or so from where I live here, uh, he's running uh, three workshops over the next two weeks for clients in Europe. They're, they're whole day workshops with clients in a dozen, you know, sitting at home in a dozen different cities, and there's 30 or 40 people will do a whole day workshop via whichever platform they use right and it's mm-hmm. a real workshop model it's not, mm-hmm. it's not him giving like it's a full day of workshop mm-hmm. so break, let's do it breakout groups so we're going to you know you're going to split into five breakout groups and we're going to set up a separate screen for each week after the next hour then we're all going to reconfigure now you know again i think when you and i first met we used to have conference calls right yeah um, and we've talked about things and we always used to have those awful places. You remember those awful places in the middle of the cities where we'd have to go to do video conferences? Yeah, um, yeah. Video conference centers, whatever right. you call them. Yeah, but, but think about it. ever since Skype came out and stuff, we talked about, oh, it's going to change, but it didn't. It didn't really. I remember, I, remember a great, I remember a great McCann story. Uh, was, 
I've, got, I've probably got it all wrong, but but I know that I know that this, um, it was a global pitch, and I think it might have been for something like IBM, and everyone was extremely excited because it was people were calling in remote, and it was the first time that video yeah. technology had been used, and the highlight of the whole thing was obviously people hadn't accounted for things like time difference and <laughs> and the state of what people's state might be when they called them. So you've got all yeah. these IBM executives in a room and it's like, okay, now let's hear from our, from our, the, the um, head of the office, the, the, the managing director in our Tokyo office, who has some really insightful things to say about IBM, switch the camera on the guy yeah. snoring in a chair. Yeah, because it's four in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. But, but you know, but, so you know the whole, uh, whole stuff, the whole world of that that world, which was kind of clunky. Um, you know, I think, and I think you're going through the second revolution of that as as you yeah. get mass adoption, and suddenly, I mean, PSFK. I don't know if you know those guys. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're organizing next week. Uh, it was originally going to be a retail, one-day retail session uh, yep. with our various panels. It's now become a week-long festival with yep. each day, we have Friday Sustainability Day, Wednesday's Technology Day. I'm, yep. do I'm doing an interview with Piers and one of the retail specialists on retail day. And, and I was on a conference call, a video conference with like 30 people yesterday. Yeah. And this is going to be this is going to be the format for the whole thing. It's going to be amazing, right? So you know what's interesting is, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, you know, for one reason or another, I get invited to to speak at conferences. Yeah, yeah. you know. And what was interesting was uh, towards the end of last year, there were two pretty big conferences. I mean, as in you know, eight hundred to a thousand people flowing from all over the world for these two conferences in two different cities in Asia. And uh, they're both three-day conferences, and uh, they're very good. A lot of great speakers from all over the world, and fantastic hotels, and fantastic event. And you know, it was just really six-star. You know, it's amazing. Um, and people kindly clap when I finished talking too, so that was nice. But that's nice. That's nice, right? But then, what was interesting was that in both of them, the discussion on the last afternoon was flight shaming yeah right? very interesting and so the whole thing you know the whole thing we had with miss thunberg and the whole thing last year which just seemed so long ago about mm. you know, the, the green thing well are we going to get to and of course people started to talk about the old flight shaming and it wasn't really because a deep-seated belief that we must change our practice it was more like i just don't want to get caught out for this crap right um but now Let's face it, when the AI industry reopens, when the hotel industry reopens, you know, you talked about what's the marketing director of Unilever thinking, well, if you're the marketing director of any major airline in the world, any major hotel chain, any major conference center in the world, yeah, mm. you know, you've got to be sitting there going, uh, we're going to have to change the way we think about this, right? Because an awful lot of companies, because this is not, this is different, you know, I, SARS, we shut Hong Kong, we, we shut down, we all worked from home, we lived at home, we weren't allowed out for a week. Uh, how, uh, one week, was it? About, about a week, eight days, I think it was. Right? Yeah. And of course, at the time, that was a real hardship and stuff, and we all thought this is going to dramatically change things, we're going to change everything. 
basically three months later, everything was back to normal, right? Mm. But, but this is different. This is the whole world, and this is like, we don't know. They're, they're, you know, some people have been closed in, in you know, Italy, China for weeks and weeks. We're shutting in now. This could go on for months. And, and so what you're now seeing is novel, you know, the idea of, oh, I'm going to be involved in this series of yeah, yeah. seminars and stuff. Yeah, you, you know what? It, you know, there's a good chance in three months' time you're going to be thinking, yeah, oh, here's a novel. Well, this is novel. Now, what then changes is things like, um, you know, if you used to be paid to be the speaker or be a panellist on one of these things, does that model change? You know, um, if you're get asking people to pay to go to things and now you're just asking them to pay to sit there on their couch and, you know, and look at their own screen, um, how does that change the model and the way in which the structural business model of events, conferences, you know, concert. all these sorts of things concert. change. Yeah, yeah. Concerts. You know, concerts. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. I love the way in which so many arts and entertainment organisations are, you know, just handing out free content, right? Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I'm really interested uh, in the, the, the Sydney Biennial Art yeah. Festival that's been ca- obviously been cancelled. It's it supposed to start last week, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. And yeah. They, no. they just handed the keys over to Google and said... Put it all online. What you know? Yeah. Well, I just I just saw a commentary on something today. It was talking about yeah the movies that were supposed to be released over the next you know six months and what's going to happen mm-hmm. then. And you know, a couple of these commentators just said, well, you know, if if, if the studios want to do the right thing, the day they were going to launch, I can't remember the name, the next 007 movie, the day they were going to launch it, just launch it, just give it away, just. Give it away on every, on every movie platform there is, um, and the world will love you for it. Because whether or not you may not be, but we all know there's a billion 007 fans that would just, and you could have literally the world's biggest you know viewing party if you like. Well, you, you charge know, them, a, you charge them a dollar, and you still break box office. Well, you charge them a buck, and you, and you literally have a billion bums on seats. Yeah, you know, you know, you are fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. I mean, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, um, the Senate, you know, government in the US is, is argue, have been arguing over the last 48 hours as to what um, federal aid is coming. Yeah. And um, so there's been, a, there's been a back and forth on the airline bailouts over uh, climate change provisions. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that's really interesting. And I, you know, I wonder about things like the Cannes Advertising Festival, you know, um, what what happens? Do you do you have to if you fly there? Do you have to you know in a sort of scenario planning a bit? Do you have to prove that your your carbon credit, you know? Um, well, that, that's that's what I meant by pricing, you know. And and if you if you or you tune in virtually and get a discount, right? Well, that's what I meant by. There's a couple of big I won't I won't say, but a couple of big for specific industries. There's a couple of big conferences happen every year, and the debate was already on about that before this blew up. Um, as I said, because at last year the flight shaming thing came up, and there was already the, already the discussion about, okay, so if you come live, you'll have to prove that you've carbon neutralised the trip. For good, and I'm not arguing. I mean, I don't, technically, I don't know if that's a great thing or not, but 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 that was already starting to be. You know, I saw that bubbling to the surface in a number of different events and different companies or organizations talking about that sort of stuff last year 
and 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 so you can see that that sort of thing will become more normal if you like you know the, the decision do you actually have a centralized event that people fly into or do you do it online if people are going to fly into it what's the payoff uh you know what what what's the compensation for that um do you limit the numbers more um i mean let's face it the, and i'll be honest i i haven't been to Khan for years because i think it's totally yep yeah bullshit ads. um uh it, it bored me brainless um i love watching the ads uh, but i couldn't even 10 years ago i couldn't understand why why do i have to fly here to do this why can't we do it all online yeah. Because we're literally flying over there to watch stuff that we actually have been presenting to the public on a screen. So, you know, whether it was a TV screen or a computer screen or whatever, so why is it that we can't present it to ourselves on a screen and congratulate ourselves about it? I, I mean, I've never really understood. I understand why people go there because it's a massive piss-up and it's great. I enjoyed the parties, of course. Who doesn't? Yeah, well, I mean, people like the idea that you can, you you know, everyone you can you get everyone in the same place so you know yeah of course of course it's it's the, yeah, it's the marketing you know, I, I, look, yeah i'm not I, look, I get it i mean i get the fact it's the yeah. the person you accidentally get talking to at 11 o'clock yeah, yeah. on the beach you know when you've had one too many drinks and then suddenly oh you make a connection and it's great and i've made friends there and, and we all yeah, have yeah. yeah but it technically technically right we are going to see whether it maybe not the car well, maybe not for the big movie festivals and stuff like that, but we are going to see a big change in the way things. But the other side of it is that let's not forget that when this ends, hopefully ends, yeah. whenever that may be, yeah. there is going to be a big sigh of relief and a big let's go out and party. Yeah, it's going to be but like the end, it's going to be like the end of war in Times Square. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course it is, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a time when, again, you know, uh, you can see they're going to be, the, the, it's the upside of the day. If you were planning um, one of the big music festivals, mm -hmm. you know, or, or the South by Southwest or all, all those sorts of things, right? Um, they're either going to be huger than ever. They're either going to change dramatically or they're going to be huger than ever because people are going to go, wow, wow. Yeah, well, there's going to be a, a rush. There's going to be a rush, a euphoric rush, and then people will because people will just need that. It'll be just it's just a sort of right. It's been but there'll be a, there'll be the euphoric there'll be the euphoric rush, but at the same time there'll also be the thing where not not just for work, but especially driven by things like work and, and, and that sort of stuff, there'll be a permanent sort of change in the way in which we do. Like hey, can I? Can I? Because because I want to. I want to be judicious of a uh, of a time. I could I, yeah, can sure. I flip. Can I flip back to something we talked about earlier, um, which is in in the way you said sort of said there's never be it's never been a better time right now to be a planner. So I'm thinking of your um, wisdom and knowledge and how if you t if we were talking to a 25 year old planner right now who is feeling pretty vulnerable. In sure. an agency, how could they use this? What could they do to be indispensable? To you know, what should they be thinking about? I mean, I know it's a kind of a thrown it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, I guess the thing you have to do is to dig deep. You know, um, 
like you said, you know, use the resources you have available to you um, to really find out what's going on, what's really mattering to people and how, how that can reflect. You know, there are things, all the years of experience that you've had, there are things in the current model of doing planning and doing business that you've refined and got better at. And as you said, you can second guess some things because you've sat through a million focus groups. You can, you know, you can whiz by basic briefs and stuff like that. Right? Um, but if you're a, it doesn't matter if you're 25 or, or, or 85, really. Yeah. I mean, when you sit down and you go, I don't know, the, the things that really matter to people are fundamentally changing. What's coming to the surface is changing. Right? I mean, you know, Fear is always there, but fear on this scale. The, the ridiculousness of the, the toilet paper saga, right? Um, you know, the over, is it overreaction? I saw a great piece the other day. But it basically explained, you know, based on the Ehrenberg Bass theories, that the toilet thing actually wasn't about massive hoarding. Maybe it was just about everybody just bought a little bit more than they normally buy and that cleaned it all out. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. No, I think that's uh, very interesting. Very, but it's good but, to, I mean, it's, yeah, you're right. There are little things out there that are, are sort of signals and opportunities for someone to go deeper and say, okay, go beyond the headline. What's going on here? Can you bring anything to the table? That yeah. I mean, look, the really simple thing, the simple thing that veranda called the balcony culture thing, I said, you know, look, yeah. you know, think about that. Just, just, Look around, and, and there's a how many how many YouTube clips of something to do with that at the moment, right? Yeah. And then put that together, and then think about now what does that mean for McDonald's? What does that mean for uh, Disney? What does that mean for yeah. you know the local restaurant? You know, uh, but what does it mean now in terms of making making that making people feel safer, warmer? better as they, they do these things on the balcony. You think of that, um, just think of something like we had in the US, like an iconic campaign, Miller Time. Yes. Miller Time. What is, yeah. What's Miller Time now? I mean, that's, you know, is it, we all tune it? I mean, look at that, how could that could be a, a really interesting thing well, it is. to do. You know, look, I, I, you know, a conversation I had yesterday, the day before, um, with uh, somebody, I'd, I've been helping somebody work on project to launch a new wellness related product for a particular brand, which they've sort of put on hold. It was supposed to be happening in the next few months. They put it on hold because quite obviously their planned distribution has gone to hell. Um, and that's fine. But, you know, the discussion was, well, you know, actually, if you think about it, all these companies have been talking, you know, the last couple of years, wellness as a term has become so generic, right? So everybody's trying to get into the wellness business. Well, this is the perfect time to sit down and have a little think about what wellness really means. You know, it's, it, it, yeah, of course, you can talk about all sorts of things from vitamin pills to yoga to all sorts of stuff. But, but the reality is that our mindset about wellness or what wellness means and the importance of wellness is going through day by day dramatic change. Um, and so will you be able to fool people in the world in, in the future if you start talking about well? We've changed our, you know, flavored milk product to make it a more wellness-oriented product, right? You know, I know what wellness is because when I was locked in my house for three months, you know, we really had to think about, you know, what are we eating, what are we drinking, you know, 
Um, what, how are we moving? Are we getting some exercise? You know, got a friend of mine lives in a, a little, he's got a little townhouse around the corner here and it, it's four, four very short stories. So basically, you know, it's 30 minutes every day running up and down the four flights of steps, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're all trying to find new ways to, it's, it, and the funny thing is wellness now is not wellness, it's survival. So wellness, I... yeah. Well, three months ago, three four months ago, when you talk when you when you talked about wellness, you were talking about really you were talking about sort of pampering. You know, wellness was more associated with massage, or wellness was more associated with products that made you feel better about yourself, or made you look better, right? Uh, you know, tone these your were, body. These, these were additions to you were already you were already doing okay, and this this was to make things. It was to take the status quo and make it even better. But now we've got a different situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, wellness was a status quo. Right? But now wellness is about, man, man am I, do I have the resistance? You know, am I, am I going to be able to beat this back? Uh, if I get it, will I be able to, you know, recover? Um, and so wellness takes on a whole new meaning. And the way in which people will probably think about wellness in the future will be, resistance and resilience yeah yeah that's yeah, interesting. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. this isn't you know because the worrying thing of course is you get to the you get to the euphoria you get the Times square moments you get the three and a half million people at the big the biggest festival ever and then it comes back yeah well you see this is the well, this is going to be this is the big issue i mean this is the the thing you know Japan's a good example, right? I mean, um, when when do you let people out? Uh, how you know? We, we, different governments are taking different things. More and more European countries are getting more and more strident about you know just just stay at home. We're, you're going to get arrested, right? Um, there was a you know lots of examples coming up in the press, like you know in the news media the last couple of days about people getting arrested or whatever for, for breaking whatever mm. the rules are. Mm. Um, but that creates another problem because if you arrest people, where are you going to put them? <laughs> um, you know, um, you can't put them in jails all, all together because they arrest. just, Under well, you know, arrest. they have to go into house arrest, but, you know, because you can't put them in, you know, with other other jail victims because that just creates another hot house of the disease. You know, um, you know but the thing is that the rules are there, you know, are coming in harder and harder in lots of places. When, when do you stop it? Right. Um, when do you allow everybody to go back and sort of say party hard? Well, I, th I think just going back to the well, going back to the wellness point is if 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 you assume, if you assume consumers people have been through this thing and it's not a one-off incident, there could be it could come back. There could be others. So you now need to, you now need to adapt, adopt. Right. And you well, that's what that's why I raised that's why I raised the learning from SARS, right? Or, or maybe it's Ebola, or maybe it's AIDS, or you know, we, we, you know, it, it seems like you know every, every ten years we actually have had some sort of pandemic going back for decades, right? Um, but the pandemic has usually been regional, or you know, uh, you know, it's really terrible for those people over there. It didn't really affect like, most people. But because this thing is going to go on for months, because it's affecting basically everybody on the planet, um, it, it's 
bound. It, it is more like the Great Depression. Uh, it's more like, you know, World War II. Um, it's, we've always, you know, when, when you first got into planning, I'm sure that you used to have lots of discussions about the, the World War II generation who grew up during the Depression and all right now, you know, you know they, they didn't like to spend it. Right, and they they would never get credit cards, uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We knew there were certain behaviours that were just based out of what they went through, and you know, and we always forget that the Depression, World War Two, you know, you're looking at 15 years, right? So for a lot of people, it was their whole growing up experience, the whole young adult experience, and they it, it changed their life values and, and, and set in place things that they found very hard to change. And, I'm sure this is going to change a lot of people. Yes, because we haven't really haven't really talked about that, have we? With this, this, we talked about. I mean, there's. So this is this is the debate, right? The debate is. I mean, Trump yesterday said, "It's weeks, guys. It's weeks. It's not. We're going to make some announcements." And if, <laughs> yeah, 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 must, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, and then you well, had, and then you had the the guy in the UK, the strategist, the political strategist in the UK, saying. Um, we're going to kill our country for two and a half million people. Yeah. So yeah. it's the flattening the curve, you know. Well, there was that other guy, some guy, read, some, right, some guy I read today. I can't remember what some, somebody in the, in the States today is talking about the fact that, you know, grandparents should just sacrifice themselves because you don't want to kill the economy, right? Um, uh, you know, really? Really? I mean... But that's the reality. Um, the reality is if, whether you say it or don't say it, if you flatten the curve, I mean, I saw a really yeah. good chart. You flatten the curve, you force the, the recession is worse as a result. You, yeah. keep, you, you keep it at a peak, then um, your recession isn't as bad, but the, the deaths are worse. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it always comes down to those values, right? So... Um, do, you, do you send every, do you send your whole generation of young guys off to get killed in the war on the other side of the world? Mm. Uh, well, yeah, because you know we don't want to be communists, you know, whatever it might be, right? So, um, I mean, you could you could see a sort of you could see a sort of a two speed system where um, people over a certain age are under quarantine for their own protection. Oh sure, sure. And, but then you have the you know you have people who are who are constantly tested now we've got we're going to have new better testing kits um who are non-contagious who can be employed and productive in the workforce because you need it they need the money the economy needs to make things blah 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 so maybe you maybe it ends up as like there are two sort of speeds yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, well the point is that different governments will make the yeah, yeah. different decisions yeah, right? yeah. And unfortunately, what we haven't seen yet, but there will be a number of governments that will fall because of this. Um, and there will be a number of governments that um, are pushed out. Um, do you see I, military? Do you see military coups in? Uh, it could be military. It could be could be public. You know, it's hard to believe that you know people go on the streets to. Yeah, revolutionary style stuff. But you know, people—if enough people are desperate and panicky, who knows? But yeah, I mean, you can obviously see in some places governments, you know, where it's going to be whoever, whoever the the tough guy is. Somebody's got to get strict and put stuff in place. 
and mm. or they're going to think they have to. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 maybe it'll be they'll take you know, the Trump model or the Angela Merkel model or the you know the Chinese model or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so the net net here is a lot going on, a lot of change, and in that change is yeah. in, that, oh, in that change, a lot of things will change, and therefore you can either you can either say, well, look, we're just waiting. You know, let's, I doubt the people that listen to you talk are sitting there going, well, I'm just waiting for it to all go back to normal. Yeah, because. Uh, how dumb would you be, right? Um, it's it, things can't go exactly back to where they were, quite simply because they just they just can't. I mean, we are going to see, you know, the, the interesting debate in the states about bailing out the airlines and stuff. You know, airlines or major airlines all over the world. You know, what's going to happen uh, in Thailand? The uh, national airline, you know, was close to. Bankruptcy or whatever for years, uh, struggling to get through. Or was the tiger going to bail it out again? And it's got so many other things going on. Maybe we'll probably will, but you know, the airline industry is the obvious tip of the iceberg. But an awful lot of businesses are going to, you know, change. Have can be forced to change or close down. Or, yeah, yeah. It's sort of a, it's sort of like a it's like a, it's a it's an asteroid effect. Comes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it's not quite as. Hopefully it doesn't get to be as bad as that. But I mean, from a business perspective, I think it. I yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. Will be. You know, I think. I think. You know, you. It's. It is sort of. It is survival. I mean, literally, it is. So it's survival of the fittest is what it is. It's across everything. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, you don't have cash. You don't have cash in reserves, and uh, you don't have any borrowing capacity. Um, you know, yeah. from large business to small business. I mean, I, I heard on this call yesterday, I heard um, a consultant saying, here's a retail client, menswear, upscale client with, you know, 20 stores that is basically shutting every store and fast tracking a DTC model that they're building right now. You know, like, so people who have yeah. never thought of digital, really, yeah. I mean, they've known where now have no choice but to fully embrace it for survival. Well, that's, yes, in the same way that you were saying, you know, me downloading the McDonald's app or, you know, a, a high-class menswear store figuring out they've got to go online. You know, everybody is changing. You know, look, it goes down to, and you know, the, the other end of, you know, when you're talking about the older population sort of having to, and I could sit there and debate all night about how technologically savvy older people are, right? Um, but... We're also seeing the way in which you know, the way in which you socialise, the way in which you um, party, and you know, mm. figuring out figuring out ways, you know, watch parties, right? The whole concept of you know this whole thing that Netflix and everybody is doing, you know, about, you know, helping you do figure out how to do watch parties, so you can all watch the this concept thing together, yeah. watch this movie together, right? Yeah, you know, theoretically. Why couldn't we do that before? Well, of course, yeah, yeah. technically, but but now it's going to be more of a thing, right? It'll 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 change things. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's a sort of a it's a pri I think 
this is a prioritized, we're going to get to a prioritization. Um, you know, I was talking to a guy, you know, a friend of mine, he has two young kids and he is just like, you know what, what was stopping? I mean, I'm spending so much quality time. He was saying, this is from him. I'm spending so much quality time with my daughters. That I never did before. And why didn't I? What was stopping me? You know? And so I think a lot of people are going well, through. Well, you know, I don't, well, the interesting thing is like this whole homeschooling thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's happening with homeschooling? I mean, the, you know, yes, there, there's this great video. I don't know if you've seen it, that Israeli mother of four kids um, bitching about the fact that, you know, it's impossible. Um, you know, she's got four smaller, you know, elementary school kids. They only have two computers, but, you know, she's getting literally like every hour, she's getting like 35 messages from different teachers about this kid's going to do this, this kid's going to do that. It's like, you know, it's impossible. But the other side of it is, though, is all this homeschooling. For all the different people I know that I've talked to that have kids at home now, whether they're high school or younger, yeah. and it's sort of saying, well, you know, it's a bit of a pain. It's taking a lot of time. Oh, it's really hard. But actually, they are spending a hell of a lot more time with their kids than they normally would, right? Um, and so what does that mean? Uh, does that change the way we think about education? Um, does that mean we change the way in which, you know, fathers, for example, get more used to being involved with their kids on a daily basis like that, right? Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see some sociological... Yeah, and, really, really, really interesting of how... The parent-teacher association movement is so strong in terms of providing funding and raise, raising money for schools, but the idea that the teaching burden could be shifted or more equitably balanced between parents and teachers is really fascinating. Or finding, or finding, as we're seeing, you know, as it's happening, better and different models for online teaching. My favorite, my favorite thing I've seen as I put this, built this resource list of kind of like people you you, need, you can help, and then people uh, just people things to keep you sane. And I found this uh, thing in England, which is student nannies, and they come online and look after your kids, give you a break. Yeah, Isn't that brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. And you can. But these are the things that will, you know. You know, in Asia, in a number of the Asian cultures, you have these um, uh, study schools where, you know, every kid to get through their exams, they go to school and then after school, they go and spend four, five, six hours every night. Like tutoring. Five, six nights a week. Yeah, you know, uh, at, at tutor schools, right? And the tutor schools are usually tougher than the actual school. And, yeah. and you know, and then, you know, if you're a Korean kid or maybe a Japanese kid or a Hong Kong kid, uh, you know, you, you sort of, you know, you're 12 and you finally get home at, you know, 10 o'clock at night and that's when you do your homework from the real school after you've spent five hours at tutor school after school. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, you can see this revolutionising that, right? Um, why go to a central location for those tutoring things? Mm. There'll be more and more. Yeah, it, 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 it's the sort of stuff that technically was there and was done a little bit with all this. And, it, and it's the way in which these things are taught. I mean, I'm sure that at some point you've been, you've enrolled in a, um, you know, one of those online courses or something, right? And, mm -hmm. You know, 16 weeks, two hours a week or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do a BA, you know, at your own pace and all this sort of stuff. And the dropout rates are horrendous. And why do people drop out for them? Because it, 
it's got nothing to do with the quality of the, the, the content. It's got to do with the socialising and the teaching and, and, and everything else. I mean, you know, we, when we go to university, when we go to college, when we go to high school, it's the way we're taught. It's not what we're taught, right? Um, it's who we're taught with. It's the bonding that goes on. Um, and, and I'm sure what's happening now is that we're seeing the evolution of a whole range of new ways to use technology to to change the way in which we can do that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's really, I mean, I think that's really fascinating. You know, I think it's, you know, I think we've seen some of this in YouTube, like the idea of the YouTube entrepreneur, you know, a, mm. a face who gets on the camera actually i mean i i'm really into photography and, and there's, there's this one guy who's just so good at this stuff he's got a million dollar business um partly through advertising but you know it's a skill it's like it's part natural talent but it's a real skill to to be able to do that it's like it's 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 a new way to teach um right. and right. you know how do you teach remotely and effectively and and how do you bring social elements that are missing into this into this world right. to make it engage. But, yeah, and there've been some. Yeah, photography is a good example. There's, yeah, obviously, there's, there's a ton of these people around the world who do a fantastic job of this. Yeah. But they were tended to be in niche hobby areas, right? A lot of. Uh, yeah, you're into photography. Experts. You know, yeah. My, my yeah. wife's into yeah. My wife's into flower arranging. You know, I'm into yep. X. You know, uh, but those skills and stuff, I think, will turn back into more. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried doing an online uh, university level course. Most of them are just horrendously boring. It does nothing to do with the content. It's just the way it's done. It's all horrendous, right? Um, and that, that's why the dropout rate is so bad. That's why you know, people are like, oh, I'm doing that. That's going to, I think that's going to change. I think yeah. people are going to get more used to that sort of stuff, right? Uh, and we'll work out other things. I mean, you know, we're, we're also going to see, obviously, there's a whole lot of other types of work and jobs that are going to be affected. It'll speed up the automation business, uh, you know, automated delivery uh, business. Well, there, was a great, there, was a great, there was a great piece. There's a great piece in Wired, and I think it's really great. It, it, uh, it was just, you know, it basically is a kind of an FU to the technology industry, which is, where the where are the robots to come save us because they're well, that's nowhere. true they're nowhere you know they can't do anything they can't do they can't save people's lives um well here's the here's the ultimate thing you know i i know that you know in this part of the world as because you would know uh, certain countries in asia philippines for example has been a great exporter of nurses okay yep. so yeah, uh, and and obviously places like India, Bangladesh, Philippines, Indonesia, uh, you know, in all those countries, number two, three, or four in terms of their uh, exports has been you know people working overseas, and mostly low-end jobs, and sending the money back home. But nursing has been a big, big thing, right? So you can go all over the developed world and you find all these Filipino nurses, mm -hmm. um, and and of course it's times like this that you know, put everything aside. Okay, if I'm if I get this thing and I have to go to a hospital, and if I have to go to a temporary hospital, you know, if I have to go into a big tent, you know, um, do I want a machine there? No, I want I want a human 
even yeah. if they can't actually touch me. I want yeah. to have a feeling that there's a real human. And yeah. even if I can't see the smile, at least I want to see the eyes. You know? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so we'll, I'm, I'm really, anybody that works in the medical industry at the moment, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and, you know, you've done, you do fantastic. And, but, um, you know, it is one of those things we've talked a lot about robots and the health industry. And I'm sure that robots will, and, and automated devices will continue to grow. But the truth is that things like this bring home the fact that humanity is humanity. Ultimately, we want somebody to hold our hand. Mm -hmm. Well, it has been brilliant talking to you. Catching <laughs> up. I don't know about brilliant. But there's a couple of moments there where I sort of half got myself depressed. But anyway. Um, but no, but I mean, it's, it, it, you know, the thing is we could we could we could do uh we could do a what would the world be like or what would asia be like in uh 2025 and I, I feel that would be sort of somewhat irresponsible given um what's going on and also what you know and uh, so i thought it was a pretty good use of the time yeah it was a bit of a rambling conversation we touched on a lot of different things but um really enjoyed it great to catch yeah. up i'd like to do it yeah, again i'll have to do it again sometime yeah, yeah. yeah sure awesome well, look, stuff. safe and, uh, and and look after yourself and uh, yeah, and um, good yeah. luck to all everybody. Everybody that listens to this, good luck. Stay safe. Be well. That's great. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate Thanks. it. Alrighty. Bye. This is your host, Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.